go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we will explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. You can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to the renewal of the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, your families, as well as your parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you and let you know we've begun a new series of broadcasts that call forth the process of spiritual rebuilding and renewal of local parishes. And this is found in the book of Revelation. These sacred scriptures are so enlightening and encouraging, especially in these days in which we find ourselves at this point. So with so much being shaken, both in the church and the world, the apocalypse brings the message of Jesus Christ as victor king. Amen. And we're excited because through these new broadcasts, we hope to show how Jesus has actually been calling parishes to rebuild and renew throughout all of history, even dating back to the first century. Isn't that right, Peter? Yeah, Leslie, and that's really our theme for these messages and these broadcasts, that uh, this call to renewal was right at the heart of the church of the first century. In these broadcasts, we're pulling together the sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. And today, Leslie and I want to continue studying this amazing, mysterious, and very difficult portion of Scripture that St. Jerome said, there's as many mysteries in this Scripture as there is uh, verses. While finding in its beginning chapters the call to rebuild and renew our local parishes as well as our individual Catholic Christian faith. Well, last week, listeners, we discussed the first of these seven churches, and that is the church at Ephesus. And this church played a crucial role in early Christianity. It was a large church. It was located between Jerusalem and Antioch in the east and Rome in the west. We also learned last week that the city was known as the Metropolis of Asia, meaning it was a mother city. Mm -hmm. It was the fourth largest city of the Roman Empire and a major center for commerce. So I didn't know that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also a major center for religion. It was the home to the Temple Artemis, which is a huge marble structure, and it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The church was large, and it also consisted of many house churches. And Leslie, as we saw in this series, based on the Acts of the Apostles that we did, it was the scene of the most successful of St. Paul's missionary work. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, we learn that all the inhabitants of the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, Jews and Greeks alike, coming out of Ephesus when Paul was doing the school at Tyrannus. So Ephesus became a type of mother church for all of Asia. We also learned that St. Paul wrote Corinthians from Ephesus. He sent a powerful epistle to the Ephesians when he was in prison in Rome, and he wrote First and Second Timothy to, T- to Timothy when he was there in Ephesus. And lastly, and this is really exciting to know, that the Apostle John lived in Ephesus, and his fourth gospel and the first letter of John may even have been written there. And this is really nice to know. In fact, one tradition identifies Ephesus as the final home of our Blessed Mother. So in the scriptures, in Revelation, the Spirit begins to point out to the Ephesians several things that the church was doing well. First of all, he spoke about their labor, probably meaning their hard work in ministry. Secondly, he pointed out their endurance, often mentioned in Revelation referring to enduring trials. Thirdly, he said they couldn't tolerate evildoers. That's interesting. They had a righteous indignation. Fourthly, he said they tested and proved false apostles who visited them. And finally, again, he commends them for their endurance. But we also saw last week that after all these commendations, the Lord identified a problem, didn't he? Yes, he did. He told them they've lost the love they had at first. And we learned last week that this can be translated as the first love. Right, the first love. And the letter to the church at Ephesus warned them, and it also warns us today, that it's possible to be doctrinally orthodox, to really dot our I's and cross our T's, but to fail if we have left our first love. That's right, Leslie. And there's an interesting anecdote to this that St. Jerome wrote about in his commentary on Galatians. He wrote this, The blessed John the Evangelist lived in Ephesus until an extreme old age. His disciples could barely carry him to the church, and he could not muster the voice to speak many words. During individual gatherings, he usually said nothing but, little children love one another. The disciples and the brothers in attendance were annoyed because they always heard the same words from John. Finally, they said, teacher, why do you always say this? He replied with a line worthy of John, because it's the Lord's commandment, and if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. So it's interesting, John was still carrying around 90 AD this thing that the church needed to love. And if someone has is sharing their last words, and it's something like little children love one another, coming <laughs> from John. Yeah, John the Apostle. We better listen. Right? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so we've seen, Peter, that this church, the church at Ephesus, is an example of Catholic orthodoxy and doctrine, Mm -hmm. along with several other praiseworthy attributes, but it lacks what Jesus refers to as the first love. So last week, you shared with us some of the insights on what Jesus actually meant when he said to them they lost the love they had at first. Could you go into a little bit more detail on that and refresh that for us? Yes, Leslie, and I think we need to look at the fact that when Jesus talks about their problem, he also gives them a remedy. Realize how far you have fallen, he said. And the literal Greek says, remember then from where you have fallen, from where you have fallen. Here we begin to remember the initial fire that we had when we first encountered the Lord's presence and his love for us. What were our lives like when we were really touched by the grace of God, right? 
So today we're going to be discussing how do we recover that first love if we're in an individual, a family, or an entire parish who has lost it. Well, Peter, the good news is when Jesus calls out the sin and failures in each of these churches, he also gives a way for them to be restored to his good pleasure. Isn't that right? That is correct. And with each of the five churches that needed correction, Leslie, starting with Ephesus, Jesus calls them to repent. And that's kind of a heavy word. Now, yes, and we cannot, we must not be afraid of that word, right? Rather, we need to incorporate this dynamic in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. So what does the word repent mean? It's the Greek word, Leslie, uh, which is metanoia, which literally means to change your mind and by implication, change your actions. It's distinct from this other word in the scripture called metamelami, which means to feel remorse or sorrow. And in the New Testament, this word appears both in relation, that is repent in initial conversion, but also repentance in the course of all our Christian life. Right. All throughout our Christian life, yes. we should be repenting yes so yes here at ephesus jesus tells the whole church unless they repent he will remove their lampstand so it's time for us now to take a short break and please stay with us because when we return we will discuss some practical remedies if we think we've left our first love you're listening to go rebuild my church this program is underwritten in part by willie and deborah wood in memory of their parents woody and joyce wood and bill and elsie brooks Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and today we're focusing on Ephesus. It's the first of the seven local churches or parishes in the book of Revelations in chapters 2 and 3. So if you're reading along with us, um, just go to Revelation. And as we discuss this church at Ephesus, we must keep in mind that the goal of the seven messages at the onset of the apocalypse is to provide readers and listeners the opportunity to examine themselves around these considerations, or mm -hmm. these, yes. these uh, calls to repentance, and then to repent. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you can compare this to the seven calls to conversion or repentance, similar in the penitential rite at the beginning of each Mass, and that helps all of us, the faithful, prepare for the liturgy. Yes, and, and that call, Leslie, makes it in the Mass the call to penitential repentance prepares us for the liturgy, and here, because the Apocalypse, in some ways, is a liturgical book, calls us to repentance in order that we can receive the message of the Revelation. So anyways. Well, Peter, where do we go in Scripture to discover what this first love looks like that Jesus is so concerned about with the church of Ephesus? Yeah, so f first of all, a great place to see the first love, Leslie, I think, is expressed was immediately after Pentecost when the apostles formed the first church in Jerusalem. What do we see when that happened there? It says that they constantly devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
In other words, they became deep in Scripture, both the Old Testament, the New Testament wasn't written yet then, but they had the oral tradition of the apostles. Secondly, they gave themselves to fellowship, which was koinonia, which was sharing life together, living together, uh, just sharing life together. Thirdly, the breaking of bread. In that phrase, Leslie, uh, breaking of bread is code in the New Testament for the Eucharist. And finally, prayers, both liturgical and personal. And it says, interestingly, in the Scripture, they constantly devoted themselves to these things. The capstone to this first love was the Lord was adding daily those who were being saved. Everyone was sharing their faith, and many were being saved. Well, Peter, I think this is a great example of the first love, and I think it should serve as a mirror for each of us that we can hold up and look into to see how we line up with these early believers. Are we walking in the first love like they did? Yeah, those four great milestones that resulted in evangelization. A second place for each of us to measure up to the first love, I think, is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Such a familiar scripture. It's read at almost every wedding I ever go to, right? Absolutely. There we can place ourselves, Leslie, in these verses the way Ignatian spirituality directs us. In other words, put ourselves right there. And this portion of scripture, again, becomes a mirror for us. Leslie, show us what this looks like. Okay, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So I'm putting myself in the scripture. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So even if I become a martyr. Yeah. Now, Leslie, at this point, now use your name, Leslie, in these next portions, and you'll get a feel for how I can connect with this agape love. Okay. Leslie is patient. Leslie is kind. Leslie is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Leslie does not insist on her own way. Leslie is not irritable or resentful. Leslie does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And lastly, Leslie bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Boy, that's convicting, Peter. I know. So, you know, every every once in a while, I read 1 Corinthians 13 like that, and it really does do something of calling me back to that first love that we're talking about here today. And it's so easy, Leslie, to fall off track with those things, especially in those relationships that are closest to us, our husbands, our wives, our siblings, our children, those that we rub elbows with on a daily basis. It's easy to love people from a distance, right? But agape love that we're talking about, this first love that Jesus talks about is the love that we really experience with those that we rub elbows closest to. Again, this is a wonderful way for each of us to take up Scripture, as you mentioned, as a mirror, as we were told in the epistle of James, verse 123. I've always liked this uh, Scripture that reminds us that Sacred scripture can be a mirror to our lives, and we're talking about finding a mirror for this first love. James said this, For if any of you are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. 
for they look at themselves and going away immediately forget what they were like. So today, as we share together, we're both looking back when we first encountered Jesus, and then we're also finding a way that we can renew that agape love, that first love that Jesus is talking to this Ephesian church about. Well, I think we've already shared with our listeners that um, when we were younger, in our college days, we were part of a very vibrant campus fellowship where all of our um, all of the members had just really come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they were walking in the first love. Right. And when Peter and I got married, uh, we decided to invite them to our wedding, which was being held here in Indiana, and about 70 of them were going to be coming to our yeah. wedding. Yeah, 70 young college students. Well, my dad was pretty skeptical about this new association I had uh, with this fellowship on campus, and he was also not real excited about having 70 guests coming. Because he was paying for the wedding, right? That is right. Uh, but anyways, when they came to our wedding, they were just filled with that first love and just joy and just such a vibrant group of people that after the wedding, he actually commented on this, didn't he, honey? Yes, he did. So he went to you, Leslie, as I recall, and he said, you know, Leslie, a little skeptical about these 70 people coming to your wedding. He said, but you know something? Being around them, they reminded me of what the early Christian believers must have been like. So I think the point is the first love that's lived among believers in a community can become a powerful witness, can it? Yes, it can. Okay, listeners, we're going to take another short break. And when we return, we will look at how St. Peter return to the first love after his denial of Jesus three times, and also see the promises given to us by the Lord if indeed we too make the first love a priority in our lives. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. What happens when you support Catholic Radio Indy? Local parishes and organizations have a resource to share their message. Listeners of all persuasions get to hear the unfiltered truths of the Catholic faith. And maybe, just maybe, you'll have a share in saving a soul for Christ. Won't you join our mission? Call 317-870-8400 or give online at catholicradioindy.org. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and today we're moving on with our new series, The Call to Rebuild and Renew the Church, that can be found in the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The first church Jesus addresses is this powerful church in Ephesus, and that's the one we're talking about today. We've seen this church as an example of Catholic orthodoxy and doctrine. That means they crossed their T's and they dotted their I's. They sure did. And along with other several other praiseworthy attributes, but it lacks what Jesus refers to as the first love. So Peter, I know there's one more powerful example of losing the first love in sacred scripture. Can you talk to us about that? Today? Yes, uh, let's say I want to refer to the passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Now, remember, St. Peter, our first pope, denied knowing Jesus three times in the middle of our Lord's passion. He left that first love at that point. 
He needed to be restored, obviously, didn't he? And Jesus shows him a path of restoration. Let's read about this encounter in John 21, one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, Leslie, this passage is probably one of the great reminders in Scripture about the importance of knowing the original language, because if you don't see the original language, you don't see the nuance here. So Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? That's the word agape. Peter says, yes, Lord, I know that I love you. And that word is phileo, not agape, that Peter responded so Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him with that agape love, which is marked by sacrificial, complete, and heroic love. A love that would lay your life down. Exactly. Peter's response was, Lord, I have a friendly affection for you, but not agape. Again, that sacrificial, complete, and heroic love. Being a hero to, for Jesus and to Jesus. So Peter acknowledges that he cannot love, that's agape, out of his own strength. And what a revelation that is for Peter. And he, Pe had, and he had just failed the Lord yeah, miserably. Yeah, but here we can see that he had come to the reality that he did not love Jesus the way that he had boasted that he had. This back and forth goes on three times, right? The third time, it's interesting, Jesus uses the word, Peter, do you phileo me? In other words, do you have a friendly affection for me? So if Jesus is saying, Peter, I will start where you are with me, but I love you so much, I will over time transform you and give you this agape love. Okay, so Peter, in this scripture, he tells St. Peter three things. And then a fourth, he says, feed my lambs, which means give my little ones spiritual food. Yeah. He talks to him about tending my sheep, which means to take care or pasture his sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep, which means give my sheep spiritual food, not my little ones, but my sheep. Yeah, that's right. So Jesus doesn't leave St. Peter without a pathway to the agape love, does he, Peter? What happens next? Well, he culminates this dialogue with Peter later on in the passage, Leslie. He, Jesus gave him the final way Peter will experience agape for Jesus. He will go, Jesus said, where he does not wish to go, and then by his death, remember he was crucified upside down, Jesus said he will glorify the Lord. All of this, I think, demonstrates through St. Peter's example, agape love, the first love, comes to us through the working of the Holy Spirit as we follow Jesus. We cannot produce that out of our own strength. As Jesus offers the Ephesian church a pathway back to the first love as well, Leslie, again, as I mentioned, it begins with repentance. 
Then secondly, it works as we do the first love. We talked about last week about how you and I experienced the first love when we encountered the Lord and some of the things that we did that kind of patterned or was, an, was a reflection of like the early church, a love for the scriptures, right? A love for constant fellowship with our brothers and sisters, Right. A th- third, as we came back to the church, we discovered a love for the Eucharist that has been such a revival in our lives. And then finally, the prayers, the love for the liturgical prayers and the love for our uh, prayers that we would say individually to have communion with the Lord. Well, I know, Peter, that we've both experienced a time when we weren't really walking in the first love and God did call us back to him. Can you talk to us about what that was like? Yes, as I mentioned last week, when the Lord first encountered me and I encountered him, I was on fire and was sharing the Lord every place I went. And for every all my old relationships, I'd get in a conversation with them and say, you know something, the Lord has really changed my life. Over time, I realized that I had lost that fervor of sharing the gospel. Yeah, you weren't sharing the Lord anymore. Right, I was just kind of you know, kind of ingrown, so to speak, and in a maintenance mode in my cath- in my Christianity. Christianity and Catholic faith, and just really focusing on programs and, you know, just the work that you had to do. Right, right. Uh, for the Lord, but not sharing your faith. Well, by God's mercy, I began to realize I was no longer sharing my faith the way that I did in that first love season of my life. I no longer uh, was on the lookout, so to speak, for opportunities to share. Uh, St. John Paul II said, be on the lookout. Well, I no longer was on the lookout. And then finally, the Lord woke me up, Leslie. And I can say now that some of that first love fervor I've recovered. Well, I love the promise Jesus gives to the church at Ephesus, and therefore all of us, that if we return to our first love, He says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And that tree of life signifies everlasting life and communion with our Lord and Savior forever. Amen. Well, Leslie, I think this is a great time for us to pray for all of us that God would would give us that first love to experience in our Christian Catholic walk. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts. Fill our hearts, as it says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. We thank you for St. Peter and, Lord, how the Holy Spirit wrote and showed us that he was transformed, and even in the midst of his failures of love, that you restored him and took him on a journey where he experienced that love again and died for that love. Please put in us the same things, Lord, that you put in these early believers. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us today. That was a great program, Peter. And we uh, obviously seek to connect you as individuals, your families, and your parishes to this vision to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. And if you would like to hear our past programs, just simply go to catholicradioindy.org where you can access all previous broadcasts and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. 
Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 103.7.